Hello from the members of Royce City Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you're blessed by this message today. You're invited to join us for worship anytime. You can learn more about our worship options, locations, and how to get plugged into the life of our church by visiting our website, RoyceCityMethodist.life. Today, we hear from our senior pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. No, when I uh, started to think about this series about invitations that were received from Jesus, that song came to mind to me. Uh, that's one, you know, that, that's been out on YouTube for like 14 years now, has like 100 or 14 million views. And I, I know I saw it whenever I did youth ministry and, 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 and love that song. I, I remember um, after, after it was re-released, because you know that wasn't released 14 years ago. I think that was like 1980-something, you can tell by the, the collars that uh, the bass player had on and and the ruffles and all that type of stuff. But uh, went to a youth workers gathering, and David Crowder, who is a contemporary Christian artist, the David Crowder Band, he was one of the artists, and he actually played that during the song. All the youth workers went crazy. It's just, just a little fun song, just a little reminder about who Jesus is and, and what he has come for each and every one of us. And our third invitation of this series is that Jesus comes to call us his friend. So I invite you to go to God in prayer with me. Oh God, we thank you that you do call us your friends. But Lord, we wonder how do we respond to that call? How, how do we live our lives as your friend? And how do we share your love with others? So God, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. We're going to go ahead and jump right into our scripture for today. Our scripture is from John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. I invite you to follow along in your Bibles, or we'll have the words on the screen for you to follow along as well. Hear the word of the Lord. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, but to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I have chosen you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love one another. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So there's been a shift in relationship here. Now, we don't really see it happening in this passage, but if you look throughout all of the Gospels, you see that, that, that the relationship between Jesus and his disciples have changed. 
the disciples' first relationship was when Jesus called to them and, and told them to come and follow me. The, the disciples, if you remember, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, they came from a bunch of different backgrounds, and, and their life stories were different. But, but Jesus came to each one of them, and we have record of some of those invitations where Jesus said, just come follow me. A, and they did. A, and that set up this relationship with Jesus being the rabbi and also the disciples being the students. Or the word that I like to start using now is the word apprentice, saying not only are they learning about Jesus, but they are being told to walk in Jesus' way. Kind of reminded me of uh, my high school choir teacher. I had two choir teachers when I was in high school. My uh, freshman year had a gentleman by the name of Mr. Myers. And Mr. Myers, he was kind of a grandpa figure to to all of us. He, he was near retirement. Matter of fact, he retired at the end of my freshman year. And to say it nicely, he, he was kind of acting like he was ready to retire. There, there were a lot of things that he did that probably would not fly today. In, in, nothing bad or anything like that. But he, he kind of took the easy road to do some things here or there. Like for one of the things that we do, I was a part of the show choir. And, and instead of really working on music and working on parts, what, what he did, he would put a cassette tape in the tape deck and hit play. And we would just sing the song over and over and over and over again in order to learn it. And then we would pull together some you know, fancy choreography here or there. And then we would go out and perform. Then when he retired, they brought in a, a new teacher. His name was Doug Riney. And Mr. Riney was my teacher from my sophomore year all the way to my, my senior year. A, and, and we really loved Mr. Riney because he really taught us what it was like to be musicians. He, he really worked with us to, to make sure that we knew our parts. And, and actually, the repertoire went from singing the modern pop song, uh, arranged by Matt Huff to, uh, to Vivaldi, to uh, Bach, to uh, different other songs that really widen our perspective. So much so that when we showed up for one of our contests, uh, we blew people away because they were expecting the Hutch High Expressives, which was the name of our, our little group, to, to do this little poppy thing and, and get maybe like a two during contest to, to something that just really blew people's mind. And people were surprised but it was because of our teacher. It was because of the way that he taught us and the way that he led us. So I graduated from college, from high school, and I went off to Kansas State University for a year and decided to transfer to Fringe University to uh, complete my degree in music education. And uh, Doug Riney became one of the professors at Fringe University. And it was so great to be able to be reconnected with him again, but our relationship has changed. No longer was he Mr. Riney, but he was Doug. And Doug was very, uh, very clear that while he was still our director, there was something different in our relationship. Maybe it was because maybe we weren't high school snotty students, you know, trying to get away with everything. And But now that we were college students and we were becoming musicians ourselves and maybe going out to 
teach other people, he wanted to make sure that we were on his level and not this distant student-teacher relationship to where we were still being fed stuff by him and we were learning from him. But, but he wanted us to be able to do what he was able to do. He wanted us to, to share the learnings and the teachings that we had and share that with other students so that they could pick up a, a love for music on their own and then be interested and curious about growing as a musician, whether they were kindergartners in elementary music or a high schooler uh, getting ready to move on to college. They wanted us to be able to share that love with music with them in a profound and wonderful way. I share that story because that's what Jesus has done with the disciples. Jesus took these uh, fishermen, these tax collectors, zealots, all of these people, and he said, you know, first you're going to start learning from me. First you're going to understand what it is that I have come to do, but then you are going to go out and do it yourself. And we see an example of this in Luke chapter 10. Jesus sends out 72 to go and to, to preach the good news, to, to heal, to teach, to proclaim the good news that because Christ is here, the kingdom of heaven is available to them right now. And then when they came back, the reports were amazing. They shared with Jesus all that they did, and, and I could see the story in my mind of the celebration that they had. Oh, you can't believe what happened in Capernaum. When I was there, all of this stuff happened. We, we healed people. We had people who, who understood what the kingdom of heaven was all about, and now they want to follow you. And the entire time that the disciples are giving their report, I can just see Jesus in my mind with a smile on his face saying, they get it. They get what it is that I am here for, and they are now sharing that. But, but he culminates all of this in Luke chapter 10, verse 22, when he shares a little bit more about what is going on when he says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and to those whom the Son chose, chooses to reveal him. To Jesus is starting to reveal the Father. Jesus is starting to reveal to them through the coming of the kingdom of God who God is. Not this, this cosmic guy that is way out there for, for people just to wonder if he cares for us or not. But no, he is reminding them and saying, okay, now you're starting to get the picture. We're, we're moving away from this, this teacher-student relationship, and you're starting to see that what I do, the Father has sent me to do. What I do reminds us and sees us that, that God loves you. And now that you see what we are able to do, you are able to see God in a new and amazing way. The master is sending out his workers. That way he, they can see God active and alive in their lives.
So we move the story forward just a little bit more. It's the night where Jesus has gathered all the disciples together at uh, the upper room. And Jesus is giving them and teaching them, and he decides to do one thing to really drive the point home of who the disciples are and what they're called to do. He, He takes off his robe, and he ties a towel around his waist, and he starts to go to each of the disciples, and he washes their feet. But Peter, good old Peter, he gets up to him and he starts to protest. No, there's no way in the world. We are the students. You are the teacher. There is no way in the world you are going to wash my feet. And Jesus looks at him and I'm saying with love and his eyes saying, look, if you don't do this, you will have nothing of me. And then Peter absolutely overreacts. And he not only says, well, yeah, go ahead and wash my feet, wash my hands, wash my head. Well, just wash all of me. And Jesus says, no, the feet is just enough because you are already clean because of inside of you. And, and Jesus does this lesson just to remind them to say, look, not only are, are you called to serve, but you are called to serve because I have served you. He continues in chapter 13, and he says, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Jesus affirms that, yes, he is still the teacher. He is still Lord. However, he continues, and he says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you very truly i tell you no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him see see, jesus is reminding them that he is sending them forth to do something greater than than he has been able to do himself he is reminding them that all of this is done because of friendship, because Jesus has reached out to them and said, you are no longer just a servant. You are no longer just a student, but you are now my friend, and I am going to show you what friends do. I am going to show you what it means to fully be a disciple of Jesus Christ to be an apprentice of Jesus Christ, to do what I have taught you to do. And that is this friendship that that extends far beyond what we can even comprehend in our own minds. So, So the question that I have for us this morning is that have we accepted the invitation to be a friend of Jesus? Have we accepted the invitation to be a friend of God? We've sung the songs, what a friend we have in Jesus. We've heard Jesus is a friend of mine. But but sometimes I think we don't fully understand what it means to be a friend of God. It's not a a vague concept within Scripture. If we look throughout all of Scripture, we see the friendship of God taking root in the lives of several people in Scripture. 
First, if we look in the book of Genesis with Abraham, as Abram begins his, his trek across to the Holy Land, James, Jesus' brother in his epistle, he writes that, that, G that Abraham was a friend of God, that their relationship was in such a way that God knew and responded to what it was that Abraham needed. Later, as we move into the book of Exodus with Moses, who has gone up to Mount Sinai and being able to hear the voice of God and to be able to speak with God, there was this friendship there that was established and held on to for Moses to then continue to lead the people of Israel through the wilderness. And then finally, for our pastors today, Jesus had a friendship with a man by the name of Lazarus. Lazarus, who Jesus went to, to visit when he was sick and ill and knew that he was dead, and he brought him back to life. These three friendships showed that God valued and enjoyed having a relationship with God's creation. God valued and enjoyed having a relationship with those that he created so that they could know him intimately, personally, and wholly in their lives. But we know that there are many barriers that could come up with a relationship with God is. And I think the first relationship is that sometimes we think of our relationship with God more as a duty and not out of a love for what God has given us. When we talk about working in the church or volunteering at the church, we talk about how we must work to do this or that. I know I've heard people say, well, I have to go work today at the church. But when we talk about working at the church, does that really just distort what it is that we are really called to do. As Jesus said in our passage, he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. See, see what, what Jesus did for us wasn't a, a duty. It wasn't something that, that he had to do in order to, to check a box or, or to make things right. Jesus acted out of love. We would say out of agape love, which is a self-giving love, a love that wills the good for another person. That is the kind of love that, that we are to look at when we talk about our friendship with God. It, it's so easy to want to make sure that we have the list done and correctly and checked off how we wanted to do, but if we do it without love, as 1 Corinthians say, it's just like a, a clanging gong or a resounding cymbal. It's just noise to be noise. And our lives aren't changed, and most definitely those lives around us have a harder time being changed because we're looking at it as something to do instead of a relationship to fully enjoy, a relationship to experience, a relationship to to grow in. I think the second barrier that we have when we talk about accepting an invitation of Jesus from Jesus to be each other friends is that we look at ourselves as unworthy. That's one of the words that I wish that we would totally 
get rid of as Christians. I wish that we would get rid of the word and talking about ourselves as unworthy. Because, my friends, we don't get to identify or, or, or to talk about what is worthy or unworthy because that is something that's not defined by us, but it is something that is defined by Jesus. When we take the opportunity to realize that Christ looks at each and every one of us as worthy, then it is easier for us to let go of those restraints that we have in our lives and say, God, I open myself up to you. I open myself up to your love and to your grace. Well, while yet I am still a sinner and I am in need of your grace, I know that you willingly pour out that grace on me so that I am accepted by you. And nobody on earth can say that I am not accepted by you because you are the one who defines that worthiness in my life. There are two different statuses that we have in play here. We have, we have servanthood, which is throughout Scripture and is something important for us to understand, and we have friendship. But see, servanthood isn't what defines us anymore. Servanthood is not what Jesus is saying that we are anymore. Jesus says that we are friend, but that servanthood that we have no longer is our identity, but it is our vocation. Paul, in a couple of his letters to the Romans and to the Philippians and then to Titus, he, he talks about how he is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what he is saying there, he's not identifying himself as I am a servant, but he's saying, no, my task now is to be a servant. And the reason why my task is a servant is because I am a child of of God. Or to use one of the phrases that I like to use over and over again that I know a lot of you have heard from James Bryant Smith, I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights, and I live in God's unshakable kingdom. And because I live in God's unshakable kingdom, it is not in trouble, and neither am I. Jesus gave us a picture of what it meant to be a servant when he washed his disciples' feet. And, and while we don't have feet washing stations here at the church today for you to wash one another's feet, I know there are other ways that we can serve one another. We had a gentleman walk into our early service today, and he walked in in the middle of the service and he sat down. And uh, to brag on Pastor Francis here, even though I know she doesn't want to be bragged on. But uh, after the service was over, she walked immediately over to him. And I saw them talking to one another. And I, I saw them praying with one another. Now, that's remarkable to me because there was something else that we needed to be doing. There, there, there was something 
on that checklist of stuff that I had for us to do after worship was over. But when I saw Francis walk over to that gentleman and sit down and talk with him and pray with him, I was going, that is a servant's heart. That is knowing that, that somebody needed the love of Jesus in their life right here and right now, and she is making herself available to him. Yeah, the work got done. It, it, got, it got taken care of. But when we open ourselves off, knowing that, that we are no longer servants that are just bound to do what Christ has called us to do, but our, 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 our vocation is now a servant of the Most High, it opens our hearts to see how we can extend the friendship of Jesus Christ to others, just as that friendship has been shared with us. My hope and my prayer is as we continue to explore these invitations, these invitations to, to come and follow Jesus, to, to seek how we can use what God has given us to share his love with others and to accept the love that Jesus has for us as his friends, that we could then share that love and grace with others. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you that you have blessed us with the opportunity to be your friend. As you say in our scripture today, you no longer call us your servants because a servant does not know what the master has for us. We are thankful that we see your call in our lives. We are thankful that you have given us the opportunity to, to share your love. God, I know we come to you with many different stations in our life right now. I pray that you open our hearts and minds to receive that friendship from you, to know that we are loved, to know that we are cherished, to know that we are valued, not because of anything that we do, but because you have claimed us as your own. Guide us and lead us, Lord, as we work towards what you have called us to do. So we lift this prayer up to you. In the name of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, and in the great power of Jesus our Lord.